0: All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Egbert, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. Dude, you better, you were grinding today. What's going on with you?
1: Oh man, I am pooped. But yeah, yeah so you're whooped now. <laughs> make, making jigs, getting the boat ready, out and about everywhere. Um, just you know, it's gonna be a long weekend of guiding on Lake Erie. Uh, so. Just making sure everything's ready to go. Got a new video up last night on my personal YouTube channel about lipless baits. So, you know, we're working. I don't know if it's just that guide season's like opened up or something, but you've
0: had like this added level of excitement this week where you're just like a mile a minute. Everything's like I'm getting like 32 pictures of baits you're making today and like just about how your weekend's going to go. Like, I mean, Sunday, dude, we're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah,
1: you're going with us, aren't you?
0: That's right. Yeah, Sean has been texting me about it basically every other day.
1: Uh, The weather is primo for Sunday. Monday is a little iffy at the That's why I work in Monday. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what we're going to do there, but we'll figure something out. I might take them down to Ontario and see if we can get a lake trout. Ooh, that that could be fun. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. But, dude, it's going to be a lot of fun for folks that don't know what we're going to we have a lot of news coming, but maybe, you know, around Sunday, we'll actually get to really announce it for folks. Yeah. Uh, but just know it's on the horizon. Andy and I have a fun uh, fun day planned on Sunday. But, uh, but, buddy, I got a I got a tournament this Saturday. Yeah, the charity event, f- right? Yep, the, uh, one of your favorite lakes. And hey. uh, it's going to be – it's been a jam-packed week. This is really all I can say is got a tournament. You know, as people are hearing this, I got a tournament tomorrow. And we're going fishing on Sunday, and then the work week starts over again. I have yet to really take a breath from getting home from Alabama, so it's nice to kind of sit on here tonight, talk with our man Jeff that's coming on the show, and actually just be able to relax a little yeah. bit, talk fishing. Uh, it's just yeah, dude I'm, just, I'm you hoping your
1: brain it. explodes because whenever <laughs> we get to talking about which the topic tonight's really cool right well today is really cool because we're talking about environmental impacts on the Great lakes fishery and not just specific to bass but how it affects the entire ecosystem which is relative to bass so it's uh, really exciting stuff
2: yeah
0: that dude, I love. like <laughs> yeah we were saying it offline before we were talking about Jeff before we got we you know started recording here. And I was like sitting back there, like my brain's just like like fired on all cylinders, just like taking in everything you say, because like, as, I think one of the big faults as bass fishermen is we get so hardcore and just focusing on on what the bass do when there's so many different other species and different things going on in that ecosystem that affect bass that could be really advantageous for us to understand. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm really excited to to listen to Jeff talk about tonight uh and i uh, you and jeff you guys were going back to back i'm just this might not be one where i get a word out because this is a topic that i am to put it bluntly i'm just not very knowledgeable in so this is what i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about dude and uh so jeff is gonna get on here in a second and uh Andy, is there any more news before we bring our guest in?
1: um I guess the one thing i would say real fast is i am now fully booked for may i have no dates at all for the month of may um it's like i think i have like 25 days on the calendar of guiding so that's gonna be exciting and exhausting and pretty much the same with june i have like seven days available in june at the end of it so um yeah if you want to go fishing call soon before the dates are gone
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's good buddy it, it yeah.
1: beats sitting at a desk that is for sure. that is true it's um <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's a glorious life of sunburn and being on the water so
0: you're not sunburned you
1: got that nice blackfish gear to hook you up you'll be all right oh I, i'm still sunburned well i was but yeah let's get jeff on let's digress <laughs> and <get Jeff> on. <laughs> all right yeah without
0: without further ado let's get our, our guest here mr jeff elliott what's going on sir
3: how we doing guys i appreciate you guys having me on tonight
1: Yeah, thanks for taking the time to join us. I know you have uh, a newborn at home. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but uh, congrats! Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I'm
3: I'm surrounded at home now. You know, we just brought another one home two weeks ago, so uh, I got three girls at home, and it's it's chaos here right now. But stepping away for a little bit and looking forward to the show.
0: You're surrounded.
3: I'm (laughs) surrounded, dude. It's not good. They do like to fish, though. Like my oldest she's like four and like she's going turkey hunting with me tomorrow and like she likes to fish and she'll oh, hopefully be the real deal here so we'll see awesome.
1: hell yeah it's beautiful uh no it's see. funny so oh sorry go ahead bailey i was just saying that was good to see we need more oh. of that oh 100 especially on the the female side of things like and I mean, I'm not gonna throw this out there to be like brash, but if they're really into the outdoors as they grow up, there's so much opportunity for Absolutely them. Absolutely, there is.
3: They have so, a they have some advantages on us for sure. Thank
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not thankfully, but it's good for them to get that recognition for really working through the field. Yep. So but um I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, well, let's just start
0: diving into things yeah, here.
1: Perfect. Uh, so,
0: Yeah, I think first things first, Jeff, obviously for folks who may not know you, you know, let them know who you are and kind of, you know, what you do, what like what your gig is, because that's
3: really what we're gonna be diving into tonight. Gotcha. So I live in West Michigan. Um, I'm in Muskegon area, which is like right on Lake Michigan. Um basically I did not I from the east side of Michigan, came over here for a job, which is a fisher's biology job. Um I don't always study fish i do a lot of stuff with just the food web in general um out in lake michigan is what i specialize in and uh i work for NOAA, um so it's a uh, federal job and you know it's it's exciting i love it it means a lot to me um i get to fish a lot too it's very flexible so it's got a lot of perks and uh yeah i just i love fishing and i love fishing for everything like I'm a bass guy, like tournaments all summer long, but when other stuff's going on, like I'm on the ice all the time or, you know, catching lake trout or salmon or, you know, equal opportunity when, when the time is right for whatever it is, like, that's what I'm going to be doing.
1: Just straight up fish head.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Love it. How much fun is it to catch a salmon from the bass boat?
3: Dude, there's nothing better. So, you know, they come (laughs) into all of our Drowned River Mouth Lakes. In like august and september and you catch them on like two ounce jigging spoons like when that happens i'm like please don't have a tournament around that time because i want to do <laughs> nothing with bass like i just want to go jig salmon
2: oh, I, i've fun. only
0: seen it and i've heard it from a couple of the guys around here that chase salmon and i've been like this close to going to do it but something about a big old small mouth that steers me in another direction
3: dude well unless you want another addiction, don't go. Because every time a bass fisherman is like, you know, they'll see me out there jigging. Like I had a buddy last year. He saw me jigging. He came over and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's a ton of salmon in right now. Nobody knows about it yet. Like here's a jigging spoon and like go to work. And he caught a few that day and like he was back the next day doing the same thing. So
1: (laughs) that's awesome. I mean, when they come in, because they're still, like, bright chrome, like, fresh, right? right? They're just vicious.
3: They're vicious. So, like, they will come in, like, no matter what. But, you know, I try to time it when, like, we get things called lake flips over here, where Mm -hmm. you get, like, a big northwest or east wind, and it blows, like, all the warm water out, and the cold water rolls in. All the L-wives roll in, and that, like, just, they flood the gates. And, like, the first day that that happens, they really bite good, and it's a lot of fun.
0: Oh, man. Well, dude, uh, because this is a, a fishing podcast, I I'm curious to, you know, how did you get your start into all this in general? And I'm sure being an angler growing up kind of led into your career path, but like, tell us where, you know, from square one, like who got you into fishing in the first place and how did you get into, you know, just where did you catch your first fish that hold nine yards? Like, I'm kind of curious where it all started.
3: So my dad and grandpa always like, you know, big outdoors and big fishermen. My grandpa used to be in bass clubs and all that. And. I think I caught my first bass on Whitmore Lake when I was like three years old. So ever since I was little, like they're always taking me ice fishing or bass fishing or bluegill fishing or, you know, that's basically what we did. My grandpa had like a 17 foot bass boat and, you know, got in high school or middle school. And I was just like obsessed with it. You know, I wanted to be like the next big pro fisherman, like do tournaments and whatnot. And I'm 35. So like, When I was, like, that age, like, in high school, like, nothing was, like, super friendly for, like, kids that were, like, 12, 13, 14. It was, like, the old men's club. So, it was, like, (laughs) there were, like, rules. Like, you couldn't get in a tournament unless you were, like, over 16. So, I couldn't even fish some of them. And, -hmm. you know, there was obviously no, like, high school fishing or anything like that. Like, I missed all that. Um, But I got to fish my first tournament. And, like, we practiced, like, all summer for it. And it was, like, in the fall, like, early fall, the bite was terrible. Like, you know, we didn't. well but like it was just like i was like this is it like i just i love it so from then on like joined the club and you know still fish with like my grandpa and dad and whatnot you know through that time and then like you know they'd let me take the boat and in the fall like dude i'd just disappear like i'd come home from college or you know in in high school even in the fall like and i would just spend like 10 12 hours out there just like fishing like i would never get tired of it and ended up learning a lot and then just doing a a lot of tournaments and, you know, Southeast Michigan and whatnot. And still, at that point, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, bass, bass, bass. It's all I ever want to catch. Like I don't want to waste my time on anything else other than ice fishing. I've always (laughs) loved that. But uh, you know, the job came up in Muskegon and I came out there and you know, that's when it really kind of like, and that was probably like 10 years ago now kind of like really broadened my horizons to like, man, I like to fish for everything. Like, there's like a good window for everything. And I want to like maximize my time. Like when this is going on, I want to go do this. Like even down to like when there's like hundreds of drum around, like I want to go catch hundreds of drum.
1: Oh man. They They do fight hard.
3: Dude, they're (laughs) fun. I mean, there's, there's like a time and a place for the, for the old drum run. And, you know, we put a beating on those when we get a chance, but (laughs) that's when, you know, someone's a true fish head is when they enjoy drum where I'm just like, like,
0: I get so mad when I'm smallmouth fishing <laughs> and I catch the drum. I was oh like, yeah,
2: when I'm
3: smallmouth fishing, like, <laughs> I I want nothing to do with them. Yeah.
1: But. Oh, it's funny too because when you like if you're vertical drop shotting on them, you can always tell on like the sonar when they come down on it instantly. You feel that thump and you hit them that big head shaking you just like son of a oh <laughs> yeah
3: you yeah, know yeah, you're yeah. gonna
1: be doing it for the next five <laughs> minutes <laughs> sure.
3: so. a little That's side all. note too is like so my office is like right on the channel of like lake michigan and muskegon lake like lake michigan's like 20 feet outside my office so um well big learning curve for me was like well if i'm there at work like i'm gonna take a break and go fishing at some point throughout the day so like i could really learn like when like all this stuff was going on. Whereas if I was like, not there, like I, you'd have to like purposely go there. And I was just like put in a place where like, I've got to learn like what's happening. If I go fishing today, Oh, I start catching this. Oh, this is what's going on. Like, you know, light bulbs go off and you know, really help me kind of dial in when to do what. Yeah.
0: Well, dude, I'm kind of curious, what made you decide to choose the career path you did? Like where along that timeline did you decide, Hey, I want to do that and then chase that
3: early on. Like, probably when I was even in like elementary school and middle school, like I was was into like, Oh, there's a nature show on or whatever. Like being a biologist, like always sounded cool to me. Like I never really had aspirations to do like want to be a pro fisherman, you know, cause that sounds cool or like a biologist. And, you know, it's kind of like naive going into it. You know, I went to Michigan state for my fish and wildlife degree and I was like, I don't know, like really what, you what i'm gonna do with this or like whatever but like i want to stay in michigan which is like a terrible if you're gonna go into that field like you have to be willing to like move wherever because there just aren't that many jobs mm-hmm. and like somehow like i just got incredibly lucky to like end up where i am and you know part of my thing is like there's kind of two different paths you can take when it comes to like fisher biology like you can be the dude who's like writing the papers and like doing all the academic stuff and all that or you can be like kind of like the tech guy who like goes out in the field and gets all the stuff and like writing all papers is not for me like (laughs) i'm thinking about fishing or thinking about fish or thinking about hunting or something like that like i don't have time for all that so i'm like more of a technician guy like i go out on the boats like do all the more exciting work and then do a bunch of fun stuff in the lab and you know it fits me really well
0: oh heck yeah yeah. yeah. I, when I was growing up, I always told my teachers, like when I was that age in elementary school, that I was like, yeah, I'm going to fish hockey prof- or fish hockey. Good gosh. Hockey. I'm going to play hockey uh, professionally. I was like, when they tell you like what you're going to do when you grow up and they're like, all right, kid, let's be real. And then like, when they asked that, I'd be like, oh, like marine biology until like fi- fifth grade. And I see like, it requires a heavy amount of science. And it's like, yeah, we need a new career path.
2: <laughs> <'Cause>, like, <laughs> <not good> science. <laughs> yeah. Big it's- words.
0: It's funny
3: you got to have those on. pro dreams and whatever, though. I mean, every kid grows yeah. up with them. So yeah, have to, we yeah. all realize at some point it's not going to work out for us, but you know, <laughs> we all grow up with them.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, so, like, while we're going down this path of Bailey's dreams, right? Mine was to be a blue angel stunt pilot. And then I um automatically was like disqualified in tenth grade because I was basically blind, and you have to have like perfect twenty twenty vision. Well,
0: oh, buddy, you didn't achieve that, (laughs) but you drive your boat like you do.
1: (laughs) You're not first, you're
2: last. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: So, oh, that's good stuff. So, like, let's kind of like dive in here before we go in, like tournament history since it is a bass fishing podcast let's like talk about like the tournament series that you normally fish is there a big one in michigan it is on muskegon or
3: we have a couple like our tournaments like our local scene is like really good here like i don't go fish a tournament unless i'm fishing against like 60 to 80 boats like (laughs) unless it's you know a weeknight or a tuesday night or something like that like on the weekend like almost probably not every weekend but like probably half the, our season goes from like Memorial day to like, it kind of shuts down like around labor day um, just because of everything else going on. But you know, throughout the summer, every week to every other week, like I can fish against 60, 80 boats. There's a DNR sports series, which is like one of my favorites, like, you know, the Van Dams, they own DNR sports in Kalamazoo. Um, they have like a ton of awesome contingency money and, all sorts of stuff like that. So that's like a big one I do. We've won angler of the year in that a few times last year. We, we, there's only three tournaments and we won two of them and got second in the other one. So that was, it was a good year. Uh-huh. Running yeah, away with that out. There. yeah, that was a good one. So <laughs> how much does that pay out? Like for first, uh, first I think it's around two grand for each one. But once contingencies roll in, like, you know, I have a nitro from there and like Hummingbird's got a great contingency. Mencota's got a great contingency. By the time it was all said and done, we like, and my partner uh trevor who's a high school kid actually and he can really fish so be on the lookout awesome. for him in a few years he's going to adrian college and he can okay hammer, so adrian has got a
0: good
1: team
3: um i think we walked away with i don't know like right around maybe a little over 10 grand by the time things are awesome. done so it's a good year yeah, it's a and good then, summer
1: for three derbs
3: yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. and then we've got west michigan bass that's another big one we jumped in a couple of those um I don't normally fish the full series just with all the kids and whatnot, like Mm -hmm. running like eight tournaments. Plus like there's another series I do, which is a solo series, just not feasible, but we did have another cool thing. Like I feel like every state should have something like this. It's called the big stack series. It's like super high entry fee against 40 dudes, but like pays out. Awesome. Like, and it's all within the state. Like I don't got to travel to New York or anything crazy like that, you know, 2 to 3 hours from my house. One next year is in my backyard, so I'm excited about that. are we talking
0: uh, like $500 entry fee or we talking more?
3: Like a grand?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Like a grand.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, love it. It's pretty cool and they actually came out with uh it was like such a like hit and a bunch of people wanted in who like didn't get in cuz we were all kind of like, well, is everybody really going to pay this money to do this and it filled up. So they created another one, which is kind of like half the entry fee and then like we'll qualify guys for um, the big stack at some point. So that's a really kind of cool thing we have going on BFLs and all that like they do those on St. Clair. I don't it's I just don't travel over there a whole lot to do that stuff because there's so much good stuff in my backyard. And that's mostly like I live in Muskegon. We have like White Lake, which is a half hour north of us and the Grand River, which is like 20 minutes south of me. And like, it's like the epicenter of West Michigan tournament fishing, like right there. Hmm. So picked a good place to move.
1: Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. By proxy almost by getting the job, which is even, yeah,
3: better. it like worked out <laughs> real great. I mean, I got my teeth kicked in for a few years, but like, you know, definitely took a little bit to figure out. It's way different fishing over here than uh, like the inland lakes, like just inland natural lakes I grew up in. Cause everything mm-hmm. over here is connected to Lake Michigan and that just adds a whole crazy dimension to things. But um, and it's always changing. All my stuff from last year, most of it will probably suck, and I'll have to find something new to catch them on. <laughs> that's, that's how right? it. That's how it always works. So, <laughs> might <laughs> as well delete most of my waypoints. And I was going to say at the start of the on.
1: spring, you just delete everything and start all over. You know? I kind of like that. I kind of like yeah. that though. That keeps yeah. like that
0: fresh, new feeling, like year after year. Whereas, like when you when you've graphed an entire lake, you know everything. Kind of almost becomes frustrating, especially when you can't find them at that point because there isn't something new to check out.
3: Absolutely, yeah. you're like,
0: Well, I just suck. <laughs> it,
1: and I have, I, and I, I don't want to be wrong here, but I have a question. So, I'm assuming Lake Michigan gets seizures, right? So, where the water flows real heavy north and south when you get a big north and south wind from one end of the lake to the other. So, does that cause Muskegon to like lower and rise when that happens since it's so? directly connected to the lake
3: not very often so i've seen a couple big sashes, but nothing that's really affected like the drawn river mouth lakes i think they're just like so big that if it does happen it's not noticeable like you'll see <laughs> things on like the grand river for instance i don't know what goes on there but it'll like kind of fluctuate throughout the day sometimes and i don't know what's really driving that but it's not like anything too major but uh yeah, we get the upwellings like I was talking about earlier, and that's, like, a big thing to you want to be in the know on that for sure. But, yeah. uh, you know, we haven't seen any crazy water levels. Like, east side of the state, like Saginaw Bay, it will happen over there where the water will just blow out. And, like, you could get, like, stranded from, you know, putting your boat back on the trailer.
1: Oh, jeez. Dang.
3: Yeah.
0: That's
1: kind of crazy. Oh, like Same know. with
3: uh, the west end of Lake Erie. That happens there, too.
1: Yeah. It happens here when we get a big east wind, like we get huge uh, satius and whatever they're called, like ten, twelve foot swings sometimes in oh, the fall whoa. due to gale wind for like gale wind force. Like if we get a sixty mile an hour southwest wind up the lake, it just sucks all the water from Ohio and puts it right in the Buffalo and rises the water ten feet. Do
3: you guys get a lot of flooding and stuff from that? Then or yeah, are you
1: so- prepared. Uh, they're pretty prepared. There's a lot of high seawalls the way they built up, but like there's a creek by my house, um, Elkett Creek, and it's about um it's probably like three miles from the Niagara River, but when we get those big seashes, all the water rushes into there and it'll come up to the roadways. So wow. it's it's a lot of water that moves.
3: <laughs> How are the uh, average water levels over there right now?
1: Um last year i want to say it was closer to normal this year i think we're up maybe about like a foot i haven't really looked at the gauge but uh three years ago we were like five foot high like really high
3: yeah crazy like we were still like at historical highs (laughs) like the last couple years over here and like things look way different this spring like it's gone down quite a bit like more towards like normal but it's just like I had my boat floating over there a couple years ago. And now it's like dry land.
1: Oh, geez. And that's because, uh, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, I think Lake Michigan is the last lake that drains because it's like a standalone, right? Yeah, so it's kind of
3: like separate for sure.
1: Yeah. So it kind of has to be like sucked into Huron for the true natural flow of it to work. Yeah. So it takes that's a lot longer for it to drain. Yeah.
0: Yeah, When you fish all like the Finger Lakes and the Inland Lakes that we have here, you don't even think about stuff like this.
2: <laughs>
0: the Great Lakes are just like, they're mind-blowing to me. They really are. I, I love them. Like, some of the stuff like that Andy will tell me that I've just never even thought of before just blows my mind. What's Mini-oceans. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It all changes so much, like, with our drowned river mouth lakes over here, like, when all that water came up, like, a few years ago, like, it was the most epic frog bite you'd ever seen, and like, you could people hadn't figured it out yet and like it was like every tournament i'm like i am going to destroy them and like now it's like i'm gonna pull a frog out because all that cover was there and all flooded then it all drowned out and now it's all gone so maybe in a decade or so it'll come back but uh yeah just like things change so much and it's like the water levels and whatever and now i'm gonna have to be like oh, i don't want to run over there because i don't want to lose my lower unit where you know three years ago it's like just mm. hammering down right across that it's great. we, right have,
0: across the, we right. have some lakes that You know, we've we've gotten some pretty big rains before, but it's only like the uh, like the inlets or the bays off of Lake Ontario that get flooded. But there's some of our finger lakes, Andy, that I wish
1: certain parts would like get flooded the crap out of because it could be so fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, like some of the ones have like the marshlands on them and stuff. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Especially if they're fishing down south for a little bit, it's like some of this stuff could be so much fun. (laughs) You got yourself a little mini Louisiana up here in New York,
1: if it yeah, flooded. If you, if you could get your boat in there. You could get your kayak in there, but not a boat. That's why I'm saying for me, because I'm in the kayak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm actually, I'm really excited for tonight's topic. So Andy, let's, uh, let's start diving into things.
1: So like... We'll kind of get right into it since we know your work background already. What is the biggest threat to like the great lakes in general, just so everybody knows. And we'll kind of base it off of there as we go.
3: I mean, you could it, probably invasive species, but I mean, that is like, ch- that is it caused like the most changes like out there. Like mussels are a huge one. Um I just, I'll get into like that right now. Like in Lake Michigan, that is like what has changed things like more than anything. Like, Everybody knows a zebra mussel, right? Like, yeah. You guys heard of the quagga mussel? Yep. Okay. You guys probably got it's them. You probably got You got them in, in Erie, right? So we do. Yeah. They're like a zebra mussel on steroids, but like the thing about a quagga that's so different is like they're not limited to like, hey, I'm going to grow on that seawall over there, like that rock over there. Like, you know, they're out in 350 feet, just rolling around in the mud, like on the bottom. Like they don't care. They don't need anything to attach to. So. Hmm. Um as far as like our fisheries, like, you know, especially our cold water fisheries over here, like that has been like the biggest change is those mussels have just eaten all the nutrients like out of like Lake Michigan, which you know, places like Erie and whatnot, like they're still getting enough nutrients where, you know, it's probably not that big of a, a deal. But uh, you know, the mussels have really like just I mean, they've eaten it all and it maybe it'll be an okay thing at some point because you know Asian carp are the next thing, you know, that you always hear talk yeah. about. They're so um,
1: close,
3: and you know <laughs> I'm actually sort of surprised we don't have them yet. But uh, you know, don't say that o- word. Don't say out in out in open Lake Michigan. The mussels might have already beaten into to the buffet. So you know they're mm-hmm. going to still still have an opportunity to do well in a lot of places. But you know they got maybe a little bit different barrier to to get in there because there's just not as much food out in the open water as there used to be. So if and, I ever you know, hear that
0: AC word in the Great Lakes, I will cry for a full
3: year straight it will be not good so and and i don't know i i surprised we haven't seen him yet so it gives me a little hope that you know maybe we won't
0: i don't know i think if a spawning, spawning, spawning. smallmouth
1: would kill an asian carp it might they're just that. You, you don't want to make an,
3: a spawning smallmouth mad that's for sure <laughs> that's
1: <right>. <laughs> <laughs> so but like the biggest thing with the mussels like the zebra mussels if we go way back to like the 80s the water quality was absolutely terrible in the great lakes But I've had these conversations with a good friend of mine who owns a steelhead fishing lodge, like a hostel, about the water cleanliness. And he goes, I miss the 80s because the water was so dirty, but there were so many nutrients that the plankton thrived and the wives had something to eat. And he basically associated the rapid like ascent and decline every year of wives based on how much runoff we have like how much dirty water (laughs) runs into the lakes so that yeah i know lake michigan has a ton of rivers that dump into it do you see anything like in correlation to that for like the wive population because they essentially are like the biggest bait fish in the great lakes now am i wrong there
3: no i mean there's still the deal like you know, that's what you base like the salmon fishery on and the steelhead mm-hmm. and, you know, all the cold water fish and all the stocking is like, kind of like L are the big prey base. And, you know, we had big concerns in, like 2012, like things were crashing, like tons of salmon in the lake. They're just like eating all the L wives and, you know, not enough year classes of L to like, you know, keep it going. So like the nutrients, like, you know, all our nutrients in Lake Michigan are like, you know, coming from those rivers, like mm-hmm. coming from places like St. Joe, the grand, like we actually do uh we do a transect from my home base in Muskegon, like down to Grand Haven, which is like the big river mouth South of us. And like, you know, take measurements for like chlorophyll and nutrients and like that. We do that every month. So it's kind of something we like keep an eye on. And uh, you know, it's good when those things are like pumping out a lot of nutrients, but, um, I wouldn't say that that necessarily like a big nutrient year, like is going to fully drive like, um, the next big year class L wipes. There's just lots of other stuff going on there, but, um, a lot of those.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. I apologize.
3: A lot of those fish do use like, like they come into these lakes to spawn. So rather than like spawning, like out in the open water, there's still some that do that, but like, in muskegon the grand you know further south they've come in all these places and they spawn in like coontail and along seawalls and in the channel and whatnot so like all those places are like big nurseries for um the young year elwives too so you know they got that's kind of like a little bit of safe haven for them and the biggest threat to them like lately has just been predators like too many predators like just eating them out of house and home like you know and having enough year classes of elwives to like keep it going Mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of like animosity and stuff like still going on with like you know dudes that just think it's going to be like 1999 still and you can just drive a boat out of the pier heads and like go catch your five big kings it's just not the reality of like how the great lakes are and you know i think uh, you know my lab it doesn't do anything we don't even make fisheries recommendations we're not allowed to we're like fully research based but uh you know stuff that i do like the dnr or uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service can take that and look at it and be like, okay, maybe this is what's going on with the food web. Like, let's do this or do that. And you know, the stocking cuts and and all that like have kind of saved like the bait fish in Lake Michigan, and there's still a still a fishery out there for like king salmon and um, lake trout and and all that stuff. So it's been a it's been a success, you know, with a lot of adversity. You know, the fisheries
1: dealt with. Absolutely. It's crazy to think about you guys had your major bay fish collapse in 2012 in Michigan. We just went through one on Ontario, I think like two or three years ago, and they essentially cut like our King Salmon stocking because I guide for them and fish for them a ton too in the fall. They basically cut it down to like a fifth of what it was. Oh, it's, it went from insanity. Like you could walk across salmon's backs and we had big ones, like 25 pound fish. Yeah, and now they're like 15 to 18 pounds as a four year old fish. And the good news is, I don't know how, but the aloe population just like exploded last year. Like, out <laughs>
3: That's of awesome.
1: the blue, like, we had no aloe in the lake, and all of a sudden there's millions of them. Everyone's <laughs> like, there's not a bait fish problem. I don't know why they killed all these like salmon stocking numbers, but they're like, yeah, but they're all this big
3: yeah for sure you got one year class something happens that one year class like it's it's done so i mean there's always like more to the story when it comes to that stuff and you know it it sucks to like have to you know because your salmon fishing just won't be as good when there's not a ton of fish that they stock you just there's not as many that return and it's not as great but you know you will get some bigger ones like especially if there's a lot of bait out there that's like one thing we saw over here we had less fish but like we still kept some bait around and like Last year, I think a 41-pounder was caught, which I know Ontario grows them like, even bigger than we do here. But, um, you know, we used to never – like, when I first moved out here, I didn't really hear about 30-pound Kings very often, and I've heard about quite a few of them in you know, the last few years. Still, have got to handle one myself, but uh, they're out there for sure.
1: Yeah, they, well, oh, go ahead,
3: Bailey.
0: I was just going to ask a quick question. Like, to your knowledge, is there a – it's kind of a two-parter. To your knowledge, is there a Great Lake that's, like – thriving more than the rest of them and also is there a great lake that's like in trouble right now
3: i think it just depends on the species like there's certain like refuges that certain things are doing like awesome and like saginaw bay for instance is like exploded with walleyes where before when there was a bunch of elwives in huron like they would like suppress the walleye population because they were like big predators on like larval walleyes and larval perch so like that's exploded um you know, superior is probably like the least affected by like all the, you know, external stressors, like, but it's also just not that productive of a lake compared to the rest of them. So, you know, you other than you know, those giant lake trout that live way out there that people go catch, that looks awesome. But uh, you know, it's just not not quite the same as, you know, if you were talking about Lake Michigan, like here on Lake Ontario, you know, there's not the people there, there's not the fish there, and it's just not as productive. But that's the most like untouched one and then okay. you know other things like smallmouth bass are doing like pretty much great all across the board it seems like so you know things <laughs> things are good for them you know everywhere but uh you know other species it's all it's that just, matters it just depends so <laughs> yeah i just yeah. hope one day we're not like looking back on this and be like man those are the good old days for smallmouth in the great Lakes. oh so.
1: god that's so it's such a scary thought it is well i mean everything has cycles too like I want to say like four or five years ago, Lake Erie was in a downward cycle on our end. We had a lot of smaller fish, not a lot of big ones. It was tough to catch five some days. And now like it's exploding again. Like When the Elite Series came here in 2007 and 2008, it kind of like remained a secret until the internet came about in like 2013, 2014. And people really knew. And then we kind of had like a downward spiral a little bit, but now it's just exploded again. Like, nice. if if you go out and catch fifty fish, you had an okay day. Wow. So there's there's always something here, going
3: on. Like, in you know, if there's this much of something, like it's eating that much of something, or you know, especially with the Great Lakes, more so than like say an inland lake, you can have like certain weather events that can like just be terrible for a whole year class of fish, like. Yeah. You get like a few of those things like piled onto each other in a row and like you're gonna have some down years, it's just part of how the you know, water that big works for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's why fish spawn in different cycles, right? Is to help alleviate that stress because they all spawned at once and we had this oh, cataclysmic yeah. weather event or all these unforeseen circumstances happening, it could just destroy a fishery. Absolutely. So it could destroy wildlife. It's it's crazy how things adapt to nature itself. So kind of let's get into um, the next big invasive species, right, which would be probably the goby. Yeah, how much has that changed the Great Lakes fishers? We know what the goby is, but, like, from an <laughs> ecosystem standpoint, what has it done for the good and what has it done for the better? Great success. Yes. <laughs> for I mean. <laughs>
3: It's done. It, it was when the goby first came on the scene. It was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna like get in every smallmouth nest and like they're gonna eat every bag <laughs> in every fish egg of whatever. And like they do like eating fish eggs. I've done lots of work on goby diets. They like fish eggs, but like they don't seem to have really like done anything really bad, unless you're like a crayfish or a mottled sculpin. Like you know, they've like kind of moved them along. You know, it seems like in a lot of places, you know, they're just. I don't know if it's cause they're down in the rock crevices and you know, they're just not letting that stuff go in there, but you know, modeled sculpins are something that, you know, most people probably didn't even really know were around. And then, you know, crayfish, they're still around, but it's, you know, you just don't see them like you used to on the great lakes anyway. But, uh, I can't really like say there's anything they've done. That's been like so terrible. Like everything is kind of adapted to them. And, you know, they filled in like, uh, especially with some of these places where like, L-Wives crashed and whatnot, like they've been a good like alternate food source for a ton of fish. I'm I'm really curious because I think the
0: 99%, I think, of the fishing, you know, public you, and that sees a sculpin will think that's a goby because oh, yeah. My question is, were sculpin around like before gobies? Yes. Like in the same places, same everything?
3: Like up there in the rocks, I guess there used to be like quite a few like modeled sculpins. Not necessarily everywhere, at least like in my region of things like around the pierheads heads and whatnot, there would be modeled sculpins and, you know, things. I've never seen one personally. I got here after gobies. They're already everywhere, but there's still sculpins like deep water and slimy sculpins out there in the lake, like where, you know, gobies don't affect them as much, but you know, they're not, they're not a bass forage. Like they're, you're not going to see like bass eating them. they just don't get shallow enough.
0: So why, why is, if they're basically almost the same thing, like these little, you know, basically, swimming chicken nuggets for smallmouth like why was there such a huge explosion with gobies when sculpin were already there
3: i don't think sculpin were present in like the same exact numbers and i don't maybe sculpin okay. were smarter because gobies are really dumb like they're
1: so stupid they're <laughs>
3: really dumb like i is if you look at a sculpin's body like they definitely can get in crevices and hide a lot they're like like a lot flatter than say goby is i mean a goby yeah it's like a little hot dog swimming around down there (laughs) so um yeah i don't know like why that is and you know if they just weren't as widespread and you know whatever we have going on over here is really good for gobies Mm -hmm. and pretty much all the great lakes and you know they're just they're just another part of the food chain now like yeah i don't see them ever going anywhere or you know. I remember
0: the PSA they had like when gobies were first here, they're like cut off all their heads. Like when you've seen, oh, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like it was like a, it reminded me of like the uh, I don't even know what it was like the, like the Renaissance area with the pitchforks and stuff when they're like trying to like get rid of, yeah, stupid point. Anyways, um, <laughs> something that's actually that was really funny that Andy and I, when we get bored and you're catching a bunch of fish, uh, on Erie. We catch a goby, we play goby ball. So you have flip flops, and one guy's in the
1: front. And he He picks the goby like a baseball, and, the other guy <laughs> <laughs> they <flip-flop.
3: laughs>
1: and they usually swim back down to the bottom because, yeah, they're hardy. fine, <laughs> they're
3: pretty hardy little critters, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. uh, like, but I remember like going back when because it was what like 2000 ish when the gobies came into the great lakes, yeah. right? A long
3: time ago now, yeah, like, they're, they're here, and you still see people like. I See it at you know on the pier, like there'll be dead gobies that somebody caught. Like, you just throw it back at this point. Like, your <laughs> one goby you caught is not going to make a difference to like hurt the goby population
1: down yeah. there. So,
0: yeah, we should be treating the gobies better than the smallmouth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gold, yeah. <laughs> but, to it, eating, my friend, <laughs> like to my point there, I remember there's a little harbor here about a half hour north of where I live now called Wilson, and there's a pier out there. And every summer day, you go out there, be like 10 to 15 people fishing for rock bass with okay. their they're worm and bobbers. And they would all be getting pissed because they're catching gobies. So it was like a murder scene of gobies. Like the entire pier would the be covered with gobies <laughs> and seagulls coming down and trying to eat them, but they wouldn't eat them because they were like so fresh. So you'd watch them like pick them up and drop them. And now they just eat them like they're candy. But it's just like the retrospective is foreign. They tried to kill it humans were killing it. And now we know like they're like the greatest little protein snacks a fish could ever ask for.
0: I wonder like, if there was a boom, not only in the weight of an average smallmouth of the average seagull because of the amount of gobies being put out on the deck. <laughs> There's some rock solid seagulls out there, man. Like, they're on <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's not just McDonald's and fries
1: that they get left at the parking lot. It's gobies too. Yeah. So like <laughs> continuing on the goby talk, cause we know they're a very important invasive um, part of the great lakes ecosystem. Now, do they have one spawn cycle Do they spawn multiple times a year? Like what is the average size goby that you think a fish eats? What is the biggest goby you've ever seen? Kind of like keep us on this train wreck of goby talk.
3: So they'll spawn multiple times a year. Like, they don't really care like they don't spawn obviously when it's like really cold but they're like in the summertime there's always some goby spawning if you ever see like you're like giant black gobies like that's a male goby like in the spawn if you ever see one of those oh. like they'll be like just black as night like you're like that one is spawning and they're always huge and they're always mean like yeah so
1: you're like this big like they're huge inchers. i mean
3: they get huge we'll see eight inches like whether we're, like, in some of our trawls or, like, on the pier, like, they get, I mean, not so big that a smallmouth can't eat them, but, you know, they get pretty large. Um As far as, like, the average size they eat, you know, about the size of a tube or, a, you know, yeah. a tube to a Ned rig. like, it seems like that's always the size I see, like, puked up. And, you know, the general population of gobies, like, you know, when we do a trawl and there's a bunch of gobies in it, like, that's, like, the most popular size range, so... Hmm. You know, it's not surprising that's what they're eating. Um, I've never seen like where, you know, there's just tons and tons of big ones or, you know, where fish are puking up really huge ones like on my deck or anything like that. Um, So I don't know if they'd necessarily target those. But, yeah, they they spawn all the time. They're like super prolific. And, you know, they go go everywhere too. Like we get them like maybe up in the rivers or, you know, people think they just are out there in Lake Michigan. No, they're like – all over They're in grass beds there, you name it. Like there's gobies around if it connects to Lake Michigan.
0: That's such a good point too. Cause like on one of our lakes, we have a, f- a few different finger lakes, which we've, we've talked about it for, so I'm not afraid to talk about it again, uh, that are connected to Lake Ontario. So therefore there are gobies in some of these finger lakes, but I've quite literally caught largemouth flipping, you know, four or five foot of grass that spit up a goby on yeah. the deck. Like It's, it's pretty crazy to see, not, and that was gonna lead me into my next question is like are gobies not only just helping because I feel like smallmouth have gotten all all the spotlight about this introduction of gobies, but like are aren't, are they helping every species, like from perch to smallmouth to walleye to drum to I mean smallmouth. everything
3: everything eats them. I don't know if maybe there's you know some species they aren't like so they're whether it's something with a spawn or something like that, they're not great for, but like everything utilizes them. Like lake trout like totally switch their diets when the water's cold here to like I'm gonna eat gobies. Like that's what I do is eat gobies and pretty much nothing else. Whereas before, you know, they were more pelagic and you know, doing lots of other stuff. But um, yeah, and you know, perch they're puking up gobies when we're ice fishing, and you know, just everything is like utilized them. So um, I gotta say they've they've got benefits for pretty much most things, unless you're sculping or a crawdad. Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, there could be there could be something out there. I mean, maybe they're like. The missing link to you know why whitefish recruitment isn't doing so hot right now but we haven't because
1: well, have, we were talking about that offline like the whole whitefish thing they're eating what was like some type of larva like that they're eating larvae did you say
3: uh like the the whitefish aren't i mean the whitefish are larva like that i'm catching and oh. they're like they're eating plankton like gotcha they're just like so a lot a lot of their stuff is like how much plankton is out there like you know how much weight and, you know, size they can gain, but uh, yeah, and gobies yeah. will eat larval fish. Like, I've done goby diets with larval fish in them, and, you know, they'll eat anything. Like, they're vicious. Hmm. They're mean. They are, dude. You get one in a trawl, and then, you like, it's one of those, like, big, like, 8 inches. Like, you put your finger in its mouth, like, they will go... Like yeah, they, so will bite, they will bite, they will bite down on you as fast as they can. <laughs> yeah. We have we'll always Give try, me. like the joke out there is like I try to get them to like stick on somebody's ear, like it's an earring, but I haven't got it to work yet. <laughs> Just, Just when your buddy's not paying attention, teeth. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> they make for uh, great things to throw at your tournament partner,
3: for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I relate them to the uh, the doom of, of hogs down south, where they literally eat everything and. They're just like literally cannot be stopped because they have babies multiple times a year. For sure, sounds exactly like the gobies. See, so here's something I want to get into because being that I'm all about the smallmouth, and I talk about you know earlier in the show of there's those people that neglect every other living species beyond a bass, and I Bailey is one of them. Yes, to say I'm completely at fault. Um, like there's this time period, and Andy can attest to it. Like it seems like a, like about a month or so after the spawn where it almost like Annie, you've talked about it where it's like a certain class of smallmouth are almost impossible to find. Do you think there's something to the, either they just don't eat during a certain time of year or don't eat gobies or they switch to like a roaming class of bait fish, like an owl wife, certain times of the year. Like, will they switch on and off from a certain forage? Like, is, is there anything that you've, you've studied that, can kind of answer some of that.
3: Well, there's like definitely certain times where like they key in on like L wives, like specifically. Like for instance, where I'm at, we get these upwellings. There's no smallmouth to be found like in the harbors anywhere. Like they're out in Lake Michigan doing something, like presumably chasing L wives, because like you can't really find them. Get an upwelling, all the bait comes in, and they're boom, here are the smallies, like so. They're definitely like keying in on those owl wives and chasing that pelagic bait. Like and I think they follow it. Like I don't know where they go. I haven't found it. Like my boss has caught a smallmouth in 100 feet of water in Lake Michigan in a gill net. So, you know, they definitely go out there and um it's it's all sizes though. We've never seen like a like a certain size of fish that just like you know disappears. So hmm. they all kind of follow that. But there's a big, big owl wife thing over here that they really like. Sandy? So and-
1: I'm gonna segue on this question. When you get aloi feeders at, to to goby eaters, right? I find those aloi feeders tend to be more slender, like bullet fish. Okay, like because they're like more river system fish over here. but all of our aloi feeders are like river fish. Okay, and then the goby eaters will be like blimps, like all okay. this lazy blimps. I was wondering if you see that same thing.
3: We don't. In we get like, uh, you know, we've got like the resident fish that live in our lakes and rivers and they mm-hmm. are slender you know? And I think that's cause they're, you know, chasing shad and eating crawdads and eating gobies like in the lake. It's just not as easy for them. And yeah, they run the rivers too, but those fish from Lake Michigan, whether they're eating owl wives or they're eating like, you know, gobies in the spring, like they're just, I mean, it's like you catch one and it's like, I've got just big meaty lips on it. And it's like, that thing is from Lake Michigan. Like it yeah. doesn't live here so and i don't know where they go like i'll tell i gotta tell you this funny story like first about a lake michigan fish that i recently handled which was a total surprise i didn't catch it but it's like the biggest smallmouth i've ever had my hands on um i went out i went off the pier the other day like i was gonna go make some coho casts whatever try to catch one of them there's some old man out there he's drowning some spawn for steelhead or whatever i'm like you catching anything He's like, "No, but I got a bass." I'm like, "What do you mean you got a bass?" He's like, he's like, "Do you want it?" I'm like, "No, I don't really want it like they're out of season and I don't want to eat it anyway." He's like, "It's on that rod right there." So I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll go take it off the hook for you." I go climb down the rocks and about like fall in the lake cuz like this smallmouth is like I don't know how big it was. I'd love to put a number on it. I saw one that was like just under 6 the other day and like this wasn't really even close to it. <laughs> but I go down to unhook it and I'm like, where's the hook in this thing? Like there's no hook in it. The dude caught it on a single egg fishing for Menominee whitefish with a Sabiki rig hook. That's like smaller than any ice fishing rig I'd ever use. So um, yeah, they're like, they're out there doing something and that fish will be in where you can catch it for like a couple weeks and then they spawn and they go back out. But there's is... so wait a minute. Backtrack. <laughs> it was on a random rod like dude they just cast he casted a rod out there it's sitting on the bottom it's got this tiny hook that's like tinier than tiny with a single steelhead egg on it okay the smallmouth decided it was going to eat a single steelhead egg today so
1: stupid
3: so this dude this dude (laughs) i'm like do you want a picture with this fish because this is the fish of a lifetime he could he care less. I'm like, dude, like, and he's like, wow, the bass, oh. guys are, the bass guys will be real happy you're here. I'm like, yeah, I'm a bass guy. I'm pretty happy I'm here to like <laughs> let this thing go. And hopefully it would like imprint on me and maybe I could see it in a tournament someday. That makes me like, so you know? mad. <laughs> he's like, Dang, how do you not appreciate how big this thing is? It's like, if
0: you had to guess, if you had to put a number on it, like,
3: I would say, like, I've never handled a seven pounder, but like, it, ha- it had to be, like, I don't think it was like eight or anything like that, but like it had to have been over seven. Like I've seen a decent number over six. I have a buddy who always fishes with me and like, I can't catch a six pounder to save my life, but I've seen him catch like seven, six pound smallmouth in my boat or his boat or whatever. I'm like, you're a jerk. Can you let me catch one one time? Is that funny how that happens? It is. It's so annoying, but yeah, he loves doing it. It's real, real frustrating for me, but uh, yeah, it was like, it was the biggest one I've ever handled. It was, it was cool to be able to see it, but yeah, so got sidetracked a little bit there, but had to tell you guys that story. No, I,
0: I appreciated that, and it just so. further it, uh, proves the theory that smallmouth are way dumber than we realize, and we give them way too much credit. For sure, I, I, for sure. I think we can say that about
1: all fish. All fish, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. because do have,
3: they, oh, go ahead. I
1: was going to say, they have one goal in life, right, and that's to eat, spawn, and swim. That's it. Like, and see, this Pretty is the part
0: it. where fishing drives me up a wall. Where like that, just like wow, that fish would eat probably anything in front of his face. But then there's times <laughs> where like the guy that caught him good in the tournament was in the same area as you, and he was throwing you know some green pumpkin weird shit on a Carolina rig that has purple flakes, and you're throwing just green pumpkin <laughs> on a Carolina rig, and you can't catch him.
1: Yeah, I it's don't where fishing it. drives
0: me crazy, man.
1: <laughs> That's why it's fishing and not catching. I know. Thanks, smallmouth. Wow. I'm trying to find a picture of this absolute giant that my buddy caught on my boat a few years ago that I didn't have a scale on me at the time, but it was over seven pounds. So I'm just curious um, I'm, how close. I'm curious. So with your job and being
0: able to study all of these different factors that are happening in some of your, your local waters, that's a
3: beast. I would say it was like in that ballpark or bigger than that like yeah it was it was a monster like i didn't get a good picture of it and i i was like worried it was gonna like die because it had been sitting in this little pool in the rocks he's a big dude get it back but uh Yeah. yeah dude it was it was a monster
1: So my buddy who caught that fish is almost 300. Well, he's actually probably 300 pounds and five foot six. And he wasn't even long. He's got short little like T-Rex arms. (laughs) Like he was maybe like here away from his body. The fish was 23 and a quarter inches long. And he listens to the
0: show and I'm sure he really appreciates you describing him like that. (laughs) Oh, he'll probably laugh. (laughs) He's got T-Rex arms.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. But Jeff,
0: I'm sorry, Andy, to cut you off um You're good, dude. i'm curious with with your job and what you do being able to study the things you do does that help you at
1: all
3: from a a bass fishing standpoint and like a tournament deal like not really because it's so big lake focused like you know everything i do is like mostly like looking at plankton or looking at small fish or looking at everything that doesn't have to do with a small mouth but i do think it makes me like think about things in a different way like you know if i see what they're eating like i want to know what they're eating or like why they're doing what maybe a little more in depth like and like i think about like hey it's you know this time of year and like now there's all these young year shad going on or this young year this and like they're really keying in on that so um you know my location at work maybe helps me out a little bit because i know when they're kind of around the channel but uh you know as far as like actual stuff i do like out on the lake not really Wish we could do a project where we put some trackers in them or did something with smallmouth, but is that legal? It like, oh absolutely. i am for me like
0: for no, like I'm for you, I'm sure, but like for Joe Schmo like me that just randomly stumbles upon a tracker to put them in bass, is that illegal?
3: I don't know. I mean, probably not, but who's gonna catch you? So, you know, you could probably <laughs> like you could probably do it in a way, but it would be probably expensive. Like the only way to really well, I guess that we've done not us, but the DNR's done tracking studies like on Cisco's and stuff like that is like, they put a pinger in the channel and they'll put a implant in the fish. And so when the fish swims by it, like it just takes a ping off that fish right there. Like it doesn't track it, you know, way out in the lake somewhere, but like says, Hey, I swam through this channel and went out into Lake Michigan or swam through this channel and went into Lake Michigan.
0: What I've thought about for so long and it stemmed from like when I was in high school watching shark week, when they would tag these sharks, <laughs> And to literally show them like your Google Maps route of like over a year, like where they go. I just been so curious in some of these places to put one on a fish just to see where they go. Like, how oh my far, gosh, how far does a largemouth actually actually go? How far does a smallmouth actually go? It
3: like, would be incredible on some of these great lakes fisheries, like what they actually go do. Like, has somebody knows, not done that yet? To your knowledge, I, I don't think they've done some tagging and recapture work on like Beaver Island which is out in Lake Michigan. And so there's a study there where like they'll set like trap nets or whatever, like around the spawn and like tag fish or maybe they did do pingers. There's a study out there. I think they actually did do some sort of pingers and it shows like kind of where they went like out off the islands and like spent their summers. So, and those fish like kind of stay in that region, it seems, but they're still traveling a little ways.
0: I'm convinced because there's always that one guy in a tournament trail that always catches big bass and it's about the same weight. You know, they'd probably do that and they just go find them wherever they're at. They use their tracker. I they hope not. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine though? Like? No, that's it is, okay. I want to clarify there because that just brought it up the this point. That is not why I want to do that. Study.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for sure. Purely an informational thing. And it would be super interesting. So it would be, it'd be It would be,
1: be extremely intriguing, especially with those pelagic smallmouth. just oh, to understand yeah. like what they're doing to like, wow, why are you suspended on the thermocline 125 foot down over 600 feet of water? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. There's yeah. no yeah. bait fish around.
2: Can
0: we <laughs> confirm that it's just the fish and we're just not that bad? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be super cool to see. I love to, to see that, you know, something so, sort of study your, I don't know. It's a <laughs> definitely, it's more of a year pay grade than my pay grade. I don't think I've have the means to do anything like that the so Jeff, problem is make it your vendetta i will pay
3: you to do that <laughs> i would i would love to but the thing is with bass they just do such a great job at taking care of themselves like they don't get the they don't get the love from the you know scientific community like you know especially up like here up here in the north when we have like i mean pretty much as long as you as long as the habitat's like good like you're gonna have bass like if they've got a place to reproduce they're young to recruit and stuff to eat like they're pretty dang resilient compared to like so many other, these species that need to be babysat and like, you know, stocked mm. and all this other stuff, you know,
1: really whitefish, all that okay. stuff.
0: All right. I got a ball to drop on you because I know we're talking smallmouth and great lakes here, but like, what's your take on spraying grass? I'm talking about bass that are resilient. Oh, I
3: hate that crap. Like, but that's, <laughs> that's do another have, point. Even have in the lakes? on our side, at least. The problem is we don't have money on our side. So pace, you know pace, how yes. so money, is on on the, money is on the wrong side of that argument. Mm. You know, the lake associations just seem to get their way. And like, I swear these companies are just like, hey, you know, like they always claim they're like spraying for this invasive or that invasive. But yet, like every piece of grass in the entire lake is gone. Like
1: because there's carpet
3: vomit. Like, you know, I don't know what I'm, I'm looking at. Like, <laughs> do you guys have starry Stoneward out there
1: yet? i believe it's starting to show up in some of our fingerlings like the binger ones yeah
3: that is not good like that stuff where i'm from in southeast michigan like spray 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 that's you know all we're ever gonna do that stuff like can't even be killed by spray like it just like knocks it down and just like carpets the whole bottom Mm -hmm. so you never get like you'll never get like a grass bed back there like
1: it's just going to be covered. Starry stone. Starry Stonewort. It looks like this, Bailey. It's the worst of the worst. It oh, looks yeah, kind of like sandgrass,
3: but it's like spongy and like... yeah. Ugh, Doesn't it dead. smell really bad? Sandgrass is... It does smell, but like sandgrass is the stuff that's like really skunky. And like sandgrass like will like crumble up in your hands. Like this mm. stuff is like like spongy and like you can almost like stretch it. So that's mm. kind of how you can tell the difference. But it's nasty stuff. You guys don't want it.
0: Yeah, I lost, I lost all faith in our local conservation, well, our state DEC, our Department of Environmental Conservation when they, you know, they gave you the spiel of like, oh, we're trying to spray hydrilla and all that crap. Yeah. When one of our lakes has both and they, that's one of them, they've been carpet bombing. And I brought just to test, you know, we have people at all the ramps throughout the mm-hmm. summer that, you know, we'll do the inspections on your boat to try to get the grass off and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I brought them back hydrilla, and I brought them back milfoil, and I asked the person who's inspecting which one is milfoil, and they picked hydrilla, and I'm like, "We're fucked, we're screwed, yeah, for sure." (laughs) There's no,
3: there's no end game to it. Like, what are you gonna? What's the plan here? Like, you're just gonna keep bombing it and bombing it and bombing it? Like, I'm sorry, but I'd rather have some invasive weed that provides a little bit of vertical structure than have nothing out there for like. The younger year bass or like just like the energetics of all that stuff like a largemouth's got to work so much harder if it's got to swim instead of be lazy as can be and sit next to a clump of grass and eat whatever swims by Yeah, they, but, they won't and, do
1: anything
0: until someone grows like a third eyeball after yeah. they've been swimming in a lake for
1: however long yeah, that will be like- when you start getting all that decaying and decomposing grass too then you get your horrible algae blooms and then you get the mold on the water and it's just not good
3: For sure. Well, I think one of the things that, you know, we saw it over here a few years ago, and, like, this is just, like, I don't know if it necessarily really happened, but it's my theory. Like, we never really had a big algae bloom on these lakes before. So, we had all that high water, and basically, there wasn't enough sunlight to get down to, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the places. Like, a lot of the giant grass flats just didn't grow grass. Like, because the water was kind of dirty from a bunch of rain, and it was super high, and it just, sunlight could not penetrate. So, it was, like, hundreds and hundreds of acres of grass in this lake that just weren't there It wasn't because it was poisoned which was good but then like we just had this massive algae bloom like i've never seen it before just like pea soup i think it's just all of those nutrients i got in the lake like that normally the grass would take up like the algae was like oh hey this is pretty good stuff like i'm gonna bloom instead of this grass and mm-hmm. they just kind of took it all and you know ran with it so there's like lots of other consequences other than just like killing all the grass you know and if you want a swimming pool, people will just go get a swimming pool because you can't make a lake a swimming pool. It just doesn't work.
0: Well, and Good. the fact that they spray all this stuff, they don't even swim in. Like, they're spraying in places where people fish. When all of them go out, you know, well, at least boaters with common sense, which I guess is probably hard to ask for. And they go <laughs> to the middle of the lake, you'd think. But they're spraying, you know, place. I, I saw places where they were spraying on one of our lakes that doesn't have any docks. It's a stretch of no docks. Like if it, it, it's not even like a beach area, like there's designated beach areas. It just makes absolutely no just sense. pointless or
3: spraying like sense. some hump out in the middle of the lake that, you know, yep. has like 10 acres of grass on it. And it's like, why go kill that? Like, what is that doing out there? Like, there's no reason to go kill that.
1: Well, and no then sense. the other issue too, is like now the large mouth are no longer ambush predators are out there just roaming, eating everything, but those baby bait fish have nowhere to hide either.
3: For sure. That was bad so, for everything. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, like, times that maybe, like, some chemicals are needed, whatever, but for the most part, I cannot stand it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's way out of control. So it sounds like you guys are very similar to Michigan, where, like, the lake associations and the Lake Spring companies kind of get what they want, and I don't think anybody... You have grass, blow it up. It's like... Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is
2: like sad. the
0: biggest problem, and it's something that I have been so pissed about. Especially when I try to make some headway, when I try to call our different, you know, sections around New York to try to have conversations, and they say they'll get back to you, and they never do. And then they have a, try to have a conversation, but then they can't have a conversation. The problem is we don't have a dang seat at the table. Like yeah. we're not in that discussion. We don't have a voice. And as soon as you try to, they don't don't
1: even let you. It, it's just it's freak.
0: I it pisses me off beyond belief we're gonna start
1: like kicking down doors and knocking on windows yeah there we go we should just get some good old boys to camp out the ramp
3: (laughs) Good old boys. send the spray around down the road that way we
0: need someone on the inside i I think i'm gonna quit my job and become a dec officer so i could be the man on the inside there you go and that way i know when these scheduled sprayings are we're
3: just gonna slash the tires there you go. Um, That'll show. Yeah, it. now that it's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the episodes <laughs> are
1: coming for you Bailey. Just remember, just sign your own death warrant.
3: <laughs> now do they spray all your guys lakes over there or like do the big it. finger lakes like get left alone or anything like that? Nope. So no, there's everything. Okay. Carpet
0: bomb. Damn. Yeah. We have one lake it, here that is, you know, probably what Annie 5, 6 years ago. I'm talking about Canisius was absolutely beautiful.
1: Like oh, you get milk, milk oil, oil everywhere. Eighteen foot of water. Yeah. Another. You
0: could throw a top water all day long. Like wherever you fished, it made sense. Like there was green grass. But now it's like it went from throwing a chatterbait, flipping a jig, throwing a frog, all that stuff, the fun stuff. To and like and like taking at least 20 pounds every single tournament of the year to win. To like Fifteen pounds, and you're soaking a drop shot, or throwing a random. Like you got guys scoping <coughs> with a swim bait out in the abyss. Wow! Like, and the place is like just like chocolate, like chocolate, chalky, like white, green, like gross stuff. Like oh. I wouldn't want to jump in it. And it's why do
3: homeowners like, want that? Like I don't understand why anyone would want to look at that. Like I'd rather look at some
0: healthy grass. Lake. Oh, you know what? makes me mad too. So this place is famous oh. for weed mats by the docks. We're not yeah. allowed to put anything in our lakes, but they can put a weed mat in their lake. Yeah, wow. One plus one does not equal two here, folks. Yeah, I'm not good at math, brutal. but I can understand that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this this whole subject we could go on for a couple hours because oh, it sure. riles that's me right. up. So i but I, I kind of want to digress back here into the Great Lakes talk, though. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, so there is a big issue right at the forefront, and that's ice. How much ice is on the Great Lakes? And it controls the entire ecosystem of the Great Lakes with the ice flow. It turns up the bottom in the shallow water and creates all this fresh nutrients from my understanding of studies. um, Lake Erie every year seems to freeze hundred percent solid, but what is happening in the other Great Lakes and why is the ice so important? So our viewers understand that whole aspect.
3: So mostly you're keeping the water we have here is like a big part of that. So, if we don't get a lot of ice cover, we get a lot of evaporation over the winter time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of the reason we had that super high water a few years ago is we had those super cold winters and tons and tons of ice. So we didn't lose, it was like two years in a row of like really hard winters. We didn't lose any water and, you know, just keep levels, keep lake levels up and, you know, keep nutrients. Like it was like a big deal. And it's also like super important. You know, I mentioned the whitefish thing, like, we know that if there's like more ice, like they do better. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that is just the, the waves and whatnot beat their eggs up and, and all that too much. If there's just not something to kind of be like a buffer zone for them. So ice is important for sure. And,
1: and then, but like on the other retrospect, isn't a warmer winter, like less ice better for the yellow population. Yes. Yeah. definitely. So it's <laughs> like catch 22, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, we want more whitefish, but we want more alewives to sustain the salmonoid fishery, which brings in all of our money. Like it's
3: for sure. And it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, if you look at it, like just, you know, black and white, like, you know, what's a native species and what's not like a salmon and an LWIFE are both invasive species. Like, you know, they're they're here here now. We all, we all (laughs) like them. Like who doesn't like them? Everybody does, but you know, they really are like, also not supposed to be here so yeah yeah it's sort of weird but like you know to it's just a dynamic thing to manage like and not everything is good for everything so you know as long as you can maintain some sort of balance it's a good thing
1: got it so i'm gonna kind of i got another thought that just popped in my head with aloe wives so they've done a big study on them on Lake Ontario, and I I'm sure they did it on Michigan. They create like a thiamine deficiency in salmon. Yeah. Does yeah. that happen in like other species as well that eat them? Or is it specifically tailored to salmon? Because but the point I'm trying to get to is we've been trying to bring back an Atlantic salmon fishery in Lake Ontario for like 30 years, and it mm-hmm. does nothing. Like we'll get a couple of real big ones, but out of like the hundreds of thousands they put in, there's zero return. And I'm wondering is that thiamine deficiency maybe also what's affecting the whitefish population? That they're just not being able to spawn properly?
3: I don't think it will bother the whitefish much just because they're not necessarily eating L wives. You know, oh, fair like, as, a, as a regular yeah. part of their diet. But yeah, yeah, like lake trout, like that is like absolute truth. Like when there was tons of L wives, it was terrible for like natural reproduction of lake trout. Um, so maybe that's, what's going on with the Atlantics over there, but yeah, it's, that's like a a known thing, but with salmon, like Kings, it's not as big a deal. Like we still have like pretty good natural reproduction in you know, a lot of our rivers like to the North of us here. So, Mm -hmm. um, Atlantic, so are just like, they're sort of a weird fish. Like they haven't really played with them much in Lake Michigan, uh, Lake Superior, like St. Mary's river, like Lake Huron area. Like there's, that's like a big place for them. And I don't know if they're naturally reproducing at all or it's whatever, but they have a good fishery for them there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's like the only place that you really hear about, like the Atlantic Mm -hmm. salmon taking off. And I wonder if it's due to the fact that Huron had that huge life crash that allowed them to thrive.
3: Yeah, Huron is like very diverse with like you could have a fish board of all sorts of crap on there because there's just so much different stuff going on. Uh, I think they got some smelt over there. We're actually seeing like some more smelt in Lake Michigan right now too, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, they have a much like wider diet over there. Mm-hmm. And like Atlantics will eat like other stuff too. They don't necessarily have to eat fish. But um, mm-hmm. why they don't naturally reproduce, I don't I don't really know. Fair. Browns are the same way. Like browns don't really like natural reproduction is like none for them. It's like basically all sustained by stocking. <laughs> um steelhead like they'll they'll reproduce um and then you know kings and, and coho as well but um it's all still like you know very heavily driven by stocking
1: it's like 70 30 stock to uh wild fish and and that's the the next thing i was bringing up is my buddy shane who owns that salmon river lodge up here in Pulaski, new york He's like on years that we see a big dip in the Allowife population, our natural reproduction like three years later is like almost 50-50 because we clip all of our kings. But as the Allowife population drops, we see more natural reproduction. Yeah. Interesting. He's like like we cut stocking numbers, but we have more fish than we ever thought we would have. And it's because we have more wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah just it's crazy how the ecosystem can balance itself out
3: it definitely figures out a way which is sort of cool
1: yeah but
3: i do have a theory i want to share with you guys about gobies <laughs> that i was going to try to get in earlier but like yeah, just like enough. one of the reasons i think like they have like made such a huge impact like with the small mouth is you know i don't think anybody's done like a study on this or anything but like i think it like
0: sounds like you're volunteering he-
3: I would love to, but I think it's just, like, <laughs> I think it, like, has given them, like, a prey item, like, at some certain time of the year that they, like, didn't have before, and so they have, mm. like, a new, like, high-calorie intake at some certain time of the year where maybe they didn't eat that much, like, or maybe they had to chase bait around, and it's, like, late fall, and now they can sit next to a rock and, like, eat gobies, and yeah, I think there's, like, some certain time of year that, like, that really drives, like, how... F- bad they are because they definitely eat other crap too like st Clair, they're like chasing perch around and like you know they're chasing our wives around but like some point they're eating gobies throughout the year and, and there's a lot of other species that like when the water's cold like they eat gobies and i think maybe something similar is going on to like that didn't happen before that they've kind of like really keyed in on
1: it, it it's kind of crazy that you say that too because one we have a very prominent winter hole in buffalo for smallmouth and like late November, December, and Bailey can attest to this. And I know those fish are eating gobies, because it's in a very rocky area. How many mm-hmm. fish did you catch that day last December, Bailey? Uh, which one? They were both the over. One. Yeah, the one you went with Destin and Jeff? Over 100. <laughs> and they're all like four to four. Sounds a like a great
3: wintering up. hole. <laughs> I think we
0: had, yeah, we had 29 pounds.
3: Dang. And they eat during the winter, too. Like, yeah, I have an ice fishing spot that like we straight up destroy. And uh <laughs> yeah, they so they eat and like you can see them on the graph like they're not just like sitting there like swimming up to it and being like, yeah, maybe I'll eat this. Like they move pretty quick down there like on the ice, too. So that's I think crazy. they they eat all winter long in places and
1: smallmouth definitely do better in cold water. Than oh, for, sure. Mouth. for sure. For sure. Like, they love like that cold river water. And I think that's <laughs> one of the reasons why they're having issues. Like out west, like we're kind of jumping away from the Great Lakes here real fast. But like trout fishermen out west, Colorado, Utah, and you know, all Wyoming are like kill all the smallmouth. Oh yeah, they're on the just, kill list for sure. Yeah, they're like infiltrating these cold water trout streams that don't get over like forty five, fifty degrees and are thriving.
3: No, they're gonna do eating. well there.
1: Yeah, it's just fat trout to eat and. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Lots of bugs. I mean, they're going to do just fine for sure. It'll be hard to eradicate them. It's like, like we were saying earlier, like bass just do a great job at taking care of themselves. with yeah. the habitat's yeah. there, like you're probably not going to stop it.
1: Like, oh, this is where a brown trout live. This is perfect yeah. for me underneath this undercut bank. with nice oxygenated water. I think I'll live here my whole life unless I have to spawn.
3: For sure. It's so I think why like bass are like a big invasive species in other parts of the world. Like, you know, I think Japan, they're like, People don't like them in certain places there. It's their total introduced thing over there, and they do mm-hmm. great. So we're lucky that like we had them to start with, so we didn't have to worry about them taking over the world. But uh,
0: That should be illegal for those two words to be in a sentence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> taking over the world in the bass.
0: Oh, no, I'm saying bass and an invasive.
3: <laughs> I know. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then prime. they put them in places in, like, South Africa. But they yeah. do. They They, they do explode. great. Wherever Dude, they have
0: place. giants in South Africa, like yeah. when they had the worlds there, I think it took like 36 pounds to win. Oh, wow! Yeah, like they have freak giants there. Sign me up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Insane. but uh, Andy, you got anything left for Jeff before we hit him with our last question?
1: No, I, I would like to maybe dive into this again as more studies come out. And if you can do that Gobi thing, like. That would be cool to just talk about the Gobi study. Yeah. Just because, oh, that was the point I wanted to tell you that my buddy was telling me now that I just remembered about gobies, real quick. Um, you know how smallmouth used to live to be like 20, 21, 22 years old? They did a study. Now see if I can get it from them and send it over to you. But they found the average life of a smallmouth is like decreased in half around lake erie because it's so shallow and warm it gets warm but like they're catching six pounders like in nettings that are like seven years old
3: need one of those fish to live to like 15 now but that is that is nuts like and that's a really like interesting study that be interesting like if they actually did look into like whatever physiological things are going on in the fish to actually make it like get that big and like not live nearly as long as they used to
1: and my buddy scott he's like he used to be like an old meathead like big bodybuilder he's like if you think about about it like this it's like dry heaving whey protein into your mouth for like three scoops and It's like <laughs> the equivalent of a small mouth eating a handful of gobies he's like yeah. they're just little protein morsels and they swim around and get big and eat more and get big he's like it's an endless food supply chain it's like if you go to Wendy's and you order a cheeseburger fries and dip it in your frosty, you're probably gonna get big too. That's a good point. <laughs> a very so it's a very good funny. point. <laughs> like, fair enough, it's like if it's like having ice cream in your freezer all the time, right? Like they're just there. They know where they are, they don't have to chase them, and they can eat them and live in the same spot. It's like, oh, French fry.
3: They definitely I don't have to mean, move far. That's like one of the crazy <laughs> things about Gobies, too, is you know, there'd just be so many and like just a a square yard or square meter, like down there on the bottom. Like they get so close to each other and like they don't they're very like they're kind of mean, but like they don't seem to bother like being all near each other. And, you know, you don't have to work that hard if you're a bass to eat one for sure.
0: I picture that scene from the Grinch where he's like eating the glass because it's just eating because I'm bored. <laughs> 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 Sounds like small. a small mouth. <laughs>
1: That's uh, no, amazing. Oh, oh i guess uh i have to eat you now because you're out and not in the rock so i don't have to work
0: <laughs> yeah it's like goby's in front of its face he goes well if you're gonna twist my arm i guess well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well jeff dude seriously we appreciate yeah. you uh joining us tonight i learned a lot and i think uh andy i think jeff needs to be our science you know scientific our fisheries biologist correspondent yeah I think we'll call
3: it. I, i'd be up for that for sure heck yeah
0: uh, be careful what you ask for,
1: because I will. <laughs> I'll call you up a lot. <laughs> I'm in. I
3: had a great time, and I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so. thank
1: you. Heck so yeah. Bailey, do you want to hit him with the last question before he yeah. goes? Yeah, yeah, let's
0: do it. So we, I feel like we haven't been able to ask this question in a while, so I'm excited. Yeah. Um, a so everyone that's new to the show gets asked this question, uh, and that is if you could sit down with three different individuals, have a steak and a beer, uh, three three different individuals that. <laughs> You know, they could be alive a thousand years ago. They could be alive now. They do not have to be just the fishing industry. They could be sport idols as a kid. Basically, who would you invite to have a steak and a beer and uh, pick their Ooh, brain?
3: This why? Is tough and why? This is a tough one. Uh, number one, I'd have to say my grandpa because he just knows, like, he did all the stuff. So I'd love it's to. All the stuff. I, I'd love <laughs> to, like, pick his brain just about, like, just to hear some stories and whatnot again. Thank you. Yeah and all that um i have to say him
1: man like this, is t-
3: this is a tough one um any childhood
0: heroes childhood heroes maybe from like a sport you played or maybe if you're like a because you're a science guy and he like- okay
3: i got one, i got one steven ranella would be another one i'd like to sit down okay i like it. that yeah he's uh I'd like to sit down and pick his brain and talk to him just about whatever. And then we're just going to keep rolling with that theme. And I'm going to go with Hank Shaw. I don't know if you guys know who Hank Shaw is, but like I'm big into like hunting and wild game cooking and all that. So we're just going to like, I feel like if I had those three together, like, You'd have it some would amazing, real, steak. it'd be an interesting dynamic because like amazing. my grandpa was a big trapper, so him and Steven Ronello would like have tons of crazy stuff to talk about, and then Hank Shaw just seems like a super interesting dude. And I don't know, yeah, I, I think would be like, a
0: we'd have a good time for sure. Oh, dude, that would be a fun three because you'd be having like, it's like premium elk steaks or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, the last two you picked. Like, yeah, you be you'd be dining well that Absolutely. night. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's make that That's happen. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll clip it. We'll tag them, you know, and peer pressure them into having that having that dinner. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That that is my goal one of these days, Andy, is one of our guests at one of their three. We're gonna make the three happen. Probably won't awesome. happen when they have like, you know, we get a lot of like George Washingtons for some reason. But really? Yeah, can't definitely can't make that happen.
1: But <laughs> Jesus, that one might be a little yeah. tough. <laughs> um, First
0: one's Jesus. <laughs> But uh, I mean, we
1: definitely had some Kobe Bryant would be another tough one that we've had a couple times. You just had to go there, man. Yeah, it's sad.
3: Well, you guys That's are giving sad. us the option. I mean, it's true. Yeah. You know, it's true. Well, dude,
0: seriously, thank you for taking the time out. And uh,
1: I'm serious about this correspondent thing, but
3: I'm in, yeah. count me in. So I, right, I don't have ready. the answer, I
1: will find it for you in a couple weeks.
3: All <laughs> right, we'll talk for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks, That's Jeff. All right. You're gonna all right be thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, speed dial. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> At all, twenty four seven. You will have to be on the show for five minutes if we need you. <laughs> Sign me up.
2: <laughs>
0: all right, Jeff. We appreciate, it, man. We'll take all right, you. Thanks, fellas. Yeah. Uh, have a good night. Oh man, dude, that'd be kind of cool, though. Although yeah. I feel really bad for him because I'll probably ask a lot of questions.
1: <laughs> be out in the uh, water.
0: Hey, Jeff. What do you think about this?
1: <laughs> no, you know what I'm. Jeff, um, all you have to do is give him a big scientific explanation. He'll never call you again. That's all that's all I have to say. Is if you use big words, Bailey. I'm just kidding. Oh <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Like, so, yeah. So you're yeah. like, you're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, so speaking human terms here. <laughs> I feel like that dude from Good Burger, he's like, I know some of these words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a fun episode. We're definitely gonna have yeah. to have him on again to uh Talk about some more topics because, dude, that stuff is a big. I think it's it's extremely under talked about nowadays. is Conservation, in general one, but two, just what we can do to keep preserving our fisheries and really how much importance is in someone's job like Jeff's that you know goes into what we do on a daily basis. I mean, especially for you, it's your full time job. Yeah. You know, something like that is so important. So, huge shout out to Jeff for joining Thank and you. Jo- you know getting on with us. And uh, hopefully, we'll have him on. Here soon talks about some more stuff, but uh, but dude, I'm excited for a tournament this weekend. I'm really excited. Are to, you sure
1: you're excited? I know. I
0: am really. I am really, I am really <laughs> excited. I am. I really want
1: to take a picture.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not like a celebrity. I mean, I, I have to say, I was I was really appreciative of the support of the NYKBF boys. So I am really excited to see everybody on Saturday. I have a lot of thank yous to give out because the support they had over the weekend was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really excited to obviously one fish tournament Saturday. Two uh two fish with you guys on Sunday. And three, edit these next episodes of chasing hardware because they're gonna be some fuego episodes.
1: Like almost getting eaten by an alligator.
0: Almost eaten by an alligator, uh catching a six half pounder, losing a seven plus pounder and winning a tournament winning the like accomplishing the the goal in the series in the the fourth episode that I did not plan for. And well, you you guys will just have to see in chasing hardware because it's going to be pretty cool. So make sure you guys are subscribed to that new YouTube channel, be the fish and to Andy's new YouTube channel. Both of them are down below. If you guys want to check them out, but uh, Andy, I think we're, I think that's about it for tonight, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be out
0: all next week. You're going to be on a beach getting tipsy.
1: Dude, it's going to be 91 degrees and sunny every day. I can't wait. Even though I die when it's that hot. Like, you're
0: going to be a <laughs> What?
1: You're going to be a freaking lobster is what you're going to be. Nah, No, I'll probably take my blackfish gear and I'll wear long sleeves the whole time just because as soon as I get back, the day I get back, um, the next morning I have to get up and have a guide trip. And then that following week is when I start my like hellacious run of like. 17 in a row or something like that. So my boat might need to go in like for service by the end of June because I've already put like twenty hours on my motor. So like it's like Ooh. yeah. Great. Sounds like new boat time. Yeah, um we were just talking about that me and the wifey. So Ooh. definitely it's in I, the cards. Uh, Obi <laughs> trying to um put everything in play with all the moving parts that, you know, that we have moving on and going on right now. So it's in the cards. Um, We just have to keep chugging along, get more guide trips, and then make it more plausible for it to happen. It's going to be an exciting year for you, buddy. Every year is an exciting year. Every day is exciting because we get to wake up. Wow, you just got, like, T-Swift deep, right? Are you okay? Yeah, dude, I'm good. (laughs) Are you high? <laughs> no. If I was high and I got drug tested, I would fail and I would lose my, I would lose my license forever. So no, I am not high. I'm just. You did know, you
0: admit to being high? Because you said if you got drug tested, you'd fail.
1: Yeah, if I was high. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, did you admit to high? <laughs> dude, no. I I haven't done that stuff since uh, probably the <laughs> night before my wedding. So. <laughs> We're getting the stories out, folks. Oh gosh, there's oh, there's endless stories. It's oh, that's amazing. amazing. We're gonna we're gonna have to clip that. Yeah. Oh.
0: What do you want to know about your guide?
1: This one time at band
0: camp. Oh God.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus that's amazing
0: <laughs> dude speaking of that we are so due for a not so serious episode
1: oh i know we got to be coming up on three hundred here soon yeah we we're on episode 283 so maybe in let's, 17 we'll have a dangler episode sounds like
0: this it's gonna be the summer then right i mean it would have to be yeah. let's see let me pull up the calendar here while we it's still gonna have... be the beginning of july if let's see okay if we don't if we're gonna What's count 16 four, divided
1: by two eight weeks
0: you're way smarter than me. <laughs> well,
1: that would have been so much 18,
0: easier. I thought to just count calendar weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is why we have
1: Andy around; <laughs> it just simplifies things. Uh, like, like I uh, said, four
0: weeks. So yeah, I'd be.
1: I can do everything but speak proper English on a on a social post. So, yeah,
0: so that's that's if given we have two episodes a week, which we're gonna have a crazy couple months coming up. So yeah, there might be some weeks, folks, where we only have one episode a week. Um, but that being said, this summer sounds like episode 300 is coming. So if you want to get on the serious angler podcast for five, 10 minutes, maybe if you're cool, we'll keep you on for an hour and I'm just kidding. Um, but if you guys want to come on, you know, send us an email, shoot us a DM on social. We're going to start getting that actually planned out because we're going to hopefully have a big, you know, live stream for folks to join, gets all of our sponsors involved, you know, maybe give a a bunch of stuff away to you guys. So, you know, (laughs) let us know. And we'd love to get you guys on the show, but uh, either way, we're looking forward to it. But Andy, I think it's about time we tune out here tonight, buddy.
1: Yep. I, I will get my boat ready. So,
0: all right. Well, you have a good day on the water and uh, we will you talk to well. you folks. Yeah. we will talk to you folks next week. I don't have a show planned yet for Tuesday night, but keep up, uh, keep tabs on the serious angler social and uh, we, you guys will see who comes on for the show. We'll probably have drew or somebody come co-host with me. I think that's what we'll do. But either way, folks, we appreciate you guys. As always, have a good one, and we will see you guys next week. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it, and if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears of fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.